Welcome to Social But Distant, a podcast where I, your host, Mr. McCormick, interview family and friends to learn new skills and chat about life in social isolation. Welcome to Social But Distant with Mr. McCormick. As a part of Mental Health Awareness Week, on this week's episode, we will be talking through one varsity athlete's journey living with depression and anxiety. Joining us today is Sabrina, OUA All-Star Varsity Field Lacrosse Goalie and McMaster Team Captain. Sabrina is also the recent recipient of McMaster Athletics Les Prince Award for her work in the McMaster community. Tune in to learn Sabrina's story, her advice on how to cope with mental illness, and to consider how we can end the stigma. Giving yourself a little deadline, right, for every task that you're working on around those scheduled things. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. Is there anything that, you know, now that you've you've been like home and, and I've been using the word lockdown, I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but quarantine isn't appropriate because unless you've contracted it, you're not in quarantine and you're not in self-isolation because you're with your family. So I'm finding it really frustrating hearing a lot of the phrasing on the news right now. So I've been using the word lockdown. It, it's not tracking very well with any of my non-existent <laughs> followers, but uh, I'm curious though, like, have you, have you picked up any like new skill or new routine? Cause I, so I know some people are trying with this and I think people are lying to themselves online and saying they're doing all these new things when they're probably not, but uh, is, is there anything new? I definitely think there's been people who are uh, exaggerating <laughs> the new skills they picked up. Right. Right. I haven't, uh, picked up anything new. I have yeah. hobbies that I, uh, like didn't, I haven't done for a while. So okay. I like of writing it on the list probably made you feel pretty productive at the time. It did. Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> yeah. It, it was a vision for a, a better Sabrina. A better, a better Sabrina. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, just so our, our like, our, our small listening group has like a, some context here. The seat that you're talking about is more than just like, because I think like based on what you said, it sounds like there's like a seat but it's like for your desk or something like that. Just our listeners, they're like, this is more like a seat. Doesn't it go on the roof? Like it's outside your yeah. window. Yeah. 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 Years ago, we took the screen out of my window because mm-hmm. you're doing something with it, and okay. I asked my dad if we could not put it back so I could go out and sit on the roof outside my window. <laughs> yeah. I've been able to do that for a couple of years, and then <laughs> right. earlier during this lockdown, I asked my dad. I said, "Is there any way we could build some kind of seat that could go out there so it makes it easier to sit right. on the roof?" And he said, "Sure." <laughs> and so, yeah, um, yeah. So it's good. When I saw a picture of that, it looks like a wooden plank with like yeah. with ridges so that it can like fit, you know, over yeah. It yeah. goes on the top of like a pointed roof. Right. And so it's flat that has supports underneath that go parallel to the roof so it can just sit there. Yeah. 
And like, I, I'm definitely not, you know, suggesting that our students do any of that. No, no, no. This is something that we learn from that we don't go and build ourselves. But uh, yeah. that is that is actually that is very impressive. The engineering side and the fact that you can have coffee on your roof semi safely is is pretty impressive. So. Semi yes. being the key word there. Yeah, sure. semi being the key. <laughs> yeah. First question. So from what I've learned about you as a young person, you were someone who, you know, to my estimations, maybe you might feel differently, excelled at like quite a few things. And you were someone who picked up things fairly easily, maybe had to study a little less or do a little bit less homework than our grade seven eights, if you're listening, definitely have to do. Um, but uh Near the end of high school, you know, my understanding is that this changed a little bit. So can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Yeah. So um, growing up, I was always a kid who picked up kind of whatever I wanted to do pretty quickly, whether it was school or uh, like an activity, I would be able to learn it and kind of just keep it in my head without having to really spend time on doing it. And so even at the beginning of high school, like grade nine and 10, I would be in class and I would just kind of understand it right away. So I didn't have to do studying or homework. And then when grade 11 rolled around, um, the material naturally started getting harder as it does as you go through school. And Absolutely. it was mostly chemistry and math that killed me. But um, those two, I started to have to, I didn't understand it as easily, basically. Um, right. It didn't, it didn't come naturally. My brain. It didn't click yeah. with me. It didn't. It didn't work. My brain didn't know how to process the information because I didn't know how I didn't understand it. And the right. biggest problem kind of followed that, which it was because up until that point, I hadn't had to work to understand things and I hadn't had to study and do those things to understand the material. I didn't really know how to. I didn't mm-hmm. have the skills that would allow me to like sit down and study the material and understand it. Um, yeah, like the work habits and, to do those things. Yeah, I, just yeah. Didn't, I didn't have those. And I always found it really, really, really hard to focus. I couldn't sit down. And if it was something I wasn't actively working through and it wasn't, if it was something I was stuck on, right. I found it really hard to sit there and force myself to focus on something that I didn't understand. Um, and so when that started to happen in school, my mental health started to kind of decline pretty much as quickly as my grades did. And I started to get... That was the first time I I realized I was getting depressed. I was ha- I had a, a depressive episode, and uh, it was it was really hard. I was trying really hard to still do school, and not hard enough, obviously. But um, <laughs> I was still trying to work to do schoolwork, and yeah, I was finding myself unable to do tasks that I used to love to do. I play lacrosse, and that was pretty much the only thing that was so making me happy but other than that things that I used to love to do just weren't making me happy anymore and I was finding myself that I was this kind of different person than I used to be I wasn't as happy I wasn't the headstrong girl that I used to be and uh unfortunately that led me to self-harm which was not I I'm not gonna say like it was it was it was a dark time for me and and that was it was really hard and luckily at the end of grade 11 I started to be able to work through some things and I stopped stopped I'm putting stopped in air quotations being depressed for that point in time I worked through yeah. that depressive episode and I kind of said to myself well 
it was a one-time thing. I'm done with it now, and I'll be better. I can do grade 12 fine, and I was wrong, obviously. So grade 12 comes along, and the same sort of things happened. School got really hard again, and I fell into another depressive episode. And at that point, I was kind of like, I can't really deal with this on my own. I don't know how to make myself feel better because my coping strategies, which again, like it was self-harm and they're really unhealthy habits. I didn't know how to employ healthy ones to help me through this. So then that's when I kind of started seeing someone uh, like a therapist and um, it wasn't, I had to go, I had tried a couple different therapists before I found one that like really I connected with and that was the key thing for me was finding someone that I could really talk to and connect with on that level and working with yeah. like working with that therapist I found out not only what I like what the, the um, sorry what the signs are before I start to fall into a depressive episode but also what I can do to like to avoid getting there in the first place. Yeah. Um, also, one of the biggest things that happened when I started talking to, to my therapist was that I got diagnosed not only with um, depression, like uh, major depressive disorder, but also ADHD. Um, and that was a huge kind of turning point in my life because it kind of validated the feelings I'd been having for a little while so Mm. when I couldn't focus on the work that I was trying to do and that was really hard for me to wrap wrap my head around I kept saying to myself like why can't I just do this why can't I just sit down like what's wrong with me why can't I just do this right like why why can't why am I sitting in bed like why is this happening like what's wrong able to like talk through those things and get that diagnosis really helped me kind of validate my experiences which was a really kind of big turning point for me right thought well it was a hard year um I wasn't sure what I was doing but like I'm feeling better now like that's Mm -hmm. I had had this image in my mind of depression that it was kind of you're if you have depression you're always going to feel depressed you're going to be like it doesn't make sense like it wasn't it's not something that you just go through right once so if I'm better if I'm feeling better now then obviously it wasn't depression it was just I, I had see. a rough winter yeah. and I'm better now right um, right I had that misunderstanding or that I, I wasn't sure about like I didn't have the information needed about depression to know that it was something that can come in and cycles go. and in ways right. like it does for like for most people for most, yeah um and it didn't take it took probably the, the third time it happened to me for me to really kind of sit in that and be like, wow, I know I have depression. This is something that's going to be with me for my life. Yeah. Um, and I, that's what needed, something needs to change or this won't work for right. me. So when you realize that, so for you, like it's, it sounds like, you know, from what you've told me, it just, you know, and, and please like you know, interrupt me if I'm, I'm saying this wrong, but like, you know, when you, you come to that realization, you know, in therapy sessions, it, it sounds like that was kind of relieving in a way that you could understand, you know, what you had been facing and, and get a better, you know, semblance of like what those emotions and experiences were like, which I find, you know, interesting. It definitely was. It was definitely a relief and a weight off my back to kind of, 
and it, I don't want to be like I'm blaming my depression for the things the no. things I've done but it was a weight off my back to realize that this is a thing this is something that I'm not alone in dealing with um this is something that lots of people go through and there's lots of ways that like you there's lots of strategies and methods that can be used to help deal with not I don't I, I had to be doing like deal with it because it makes it sound so like negative like oh you just gotta deal with it um right because I, I'm not I don't really like necessarily like that terminology it's yeah more like it's something like you live with and you you work through when it happens um but it was it was a huge relief coming to that realization with my work with my therapist right because it allowed for me to kind of put a name on what I was feeling instead of just kind of feeling bad about yeah. myself for feeling those feelings. Right. And it deal with it kind of sounds normal. like it's like a separate than you and something you have to grudge through rather than being part of you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think the main like thing about that is, is like a self stigma. So I think that's a, there's like, there's, there's a, like a general stigma around mental health, like in the society. And that's awful. But the, I find with a lot of people, there's this like pride and self stigma aspect to it. So you mm-hmm. feel like you, like there's something wrong with you. Um, and I definitely felt that is like, I felt there was something like wrong with me. Like why, why can't I just do this? Like why can't I just get out of bed? Why can't I hurt myself? Why, what is wrong with me that I'm making those choices? Mm-hmm. Um, and there isn't something like it's, it's a sickness just like any other like health issue, like like any physical health issue, like it's not something you have to be ashamed of, or there's it's right. nothing. You're not broken, um, and these were all things that I had to come to the realization for for myself um, before I could really accept that something needed to change. And I need to start doing other things to help make myself yeah. better. So our, my third question is, is more building off of, you know, what I think a lot of the things that you talked about with the first, with your journey and what you were struggling with, because, you know, you mentioned a lot about what your lows look like and how, you know, at the end of the season, how that, that would change. Right. Um, So I I think we, you, in some ways you've already answered this question, but I think I'm really curious to know, and our audience would be really curious to know that, you know, what helps and also what hurts you when you're trying to maintain your, your sense of well-being. So like, what are those, those flags look like when you think, Oh, I'm, I'm having an amazing day. I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm at my height or the opposite of that. And I'm, I'm feeling depressed and I'm back to, you know, some of the feelings that I had before. Um, right. Yeah. So m- m- most of that um, answer kind of comes along with the work I did with my therapist, which I, have no problem admit like I tried medication I didn't like it so I stopped and I kind of went okay if I'm not going to do the medication route it's going to take a lot more self-control and self-regulation mm-hmm. um because it takes knowing what's happening so for me um knowing when I'm slipping comes with like habits that I start to see so ha- keeping like have my eating habits start to change have I not been hungry when I'm usually hungry am I sleeping more or less than I usually do mm. on a regular basis. So like sometimes I'll have a bad night where I don't sleep or I'll sleep all over sleep or something like that. But if it starts to become a pattern, these are things I have to look out for because they can be warning signs that I am slipping again. The, the right. hardest thing with it is the fact that when I'm slipping, my emotional well-being, like my emotional self is hard to see. It's, it's yeah. I don't, it's so gradual almost. I don't notice it happening. So I have to try and start, I have to kind of start 
So I have to kind of notice the physical things, like eating food. Am I not wanting to go to the gym? Am I finding reasons to not do things I like to do? Right? Right. And that kind of came, and these were things that happened in grade 11 and grade 12. And after that, these are things that happened that I didn't have the self-awareness or regulation to kind of notice and get in front of. These are like, they're tools that I now have um, and use. Um, So those are things I kind of have to watch out for when I'm, when I'm in the thick, when I think I'm slipping again. Yeah. Um, And through my work with my therapist, I kind of, we realized we kind of, we, we, um, we came up with the kind of tool, I want to call it like a toolkit for me when they start to notice things happening. So for me, the biggest, the absolute biggest part of my mental health um, to keep that in good working order is mm-hmm. being active. Yeah. Um, I think that's a common theme, honestly, with a lot of people, um, because being active releases endorphins and everything. Um, but for me, it was if I'm not active, then I'm not doing. I'm not being me, and it's really easy for me if I'm not being me already. It's really easy for me to slip into an episode where I'm not. I'm really, really not okay. Yeah. Um, so that was probably the biggest thing, and then the second biggest thing was having a schedule um less of so a schedule that gives me things to be responsible for and like things that i'm accounting on myself for but also i have other people accounting on for so when i'm at school like i've got these committees and i've got meetings that i have to go to Mm -hmm. and i've got practices and i have school and having all of those things and keeping them on a schedule and keeping and making time to go to the gym and making time to see my friends and, and, and forcing myself to stick to those, that schedule is probably been the biggest thing that's helped me whenever I've started to feel myself slip again. Um, right. Also talking to people about it has been huge. Um, when I was in high school going through this for the first time, probably the biggest thing that was working against me was the fact that I didn't tell anyone what was going on. I pretended it wasn't happening. I lied to people around me to hide that it was happening. And that I probably, by doing that, gave myself the biggest misservice. Mm-hmm. I struggled by myself when I could have had people who loved and supported me, helping me through it. Um, and I think after looking back at that time made me realize the fact that I can't, go it alone like that again. I need right. to be able to have people around me that I can say, hey, I'm having a really hard time. Will you go to the gym with me? Will you do this with me? Because if I have someone else that's accounting on me to do something, it's really hard for me to say, oh, I don't want to do it. If it's just me saying, oh, I'm going to go to the gym, it's really easy to be like, no, I'm just going to skip it today. It's fine. It's right. Bad. Yeah. Um, so you're not holding yourself and communicating accountable. Communicating with the people yeah. around me was such a huge piece. It is such a huge piece mm-hmm. of keeping my mental health This is the end of part one of our interview with Sabrina. Listen to part two to hear her thoughts on why some professional athletes struggle to talk about their own mental health and what advice she would now give to her grade 11 self.